0: Guys, this is Jess Morris and welcome to episode 66 of the Between You and Me podcast. The podcast where I talk to music makers about the things that hurt, heal and change us in evangelical culture. And we try to make sense of where Jesus is in the church. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends, of course, at JesusWired.com, your number one source for Christian music news, reviews and interviews. And today I'm really excited and privileged to bring you uh, a topic that. I know the folks at Jesus White and myself are really passionate about. Today, we are talking about World Suicide Prevention Day. Now, I know that's a heavy topic and I know that it's quite a sad topic. So it's like, Jessica, why are we addressing this? Well, because this is something that affects all of us, right? So whether you've struggled with mental health stuff in the past, mental illness, whether you're a suicide survivor, Maybe you've known someone or you've lost someone in your community to suicide. We're all affected by this. And our friend Nicole Unser, who we spoke to some episodes ago now, she approached me and said, Jess, could we talk about overcoming suicide as a family for World Suicide Prevention Day? Now, when Nicole approached me, I was so excited because she actually just released a mini documentary about her own family's journey after her mum survived suicide. The documentary is called Bittersweet 16, uh, and it's really a mini doco where Nicole has her brother, her mum and her dad all sit in front of the camera and tell tell their story of what happened the day that her mum attempted suicide. Um, and thankfully, her mum is still alive, but it's just really heartbreaking, but beautiful recollection of what it means to overcome trauma as a family, how to make sense of it and how to find hope. My conversation with Nicole is coming up. In it, we talk a bit about why mental health and faith often seem to be separated, when honestly, they can go hand in hand. We talk about how she has overcome trauma uh, and really found closeness and healing with her family in that. Um, And it is a deep conversation. Nicole is so aware of of how she talks, so am I. Um, We're careful not to use specific terms, but please do know that we are talking about suicide. So if at any point you feel uncomfortable or you want to skip ahead, if you need permission to do that, go and do it. As someone who experiences mental health stuff, there are some things or stories that I find triggering. Um, we are sharing some songs today that people have written about mental health. Or there's a uh, we actually play the song "Bittersweet 16 by Nicole, which actually talks about the day where she is a 16 year old, um, realised that her mum had attempted to take her in life. So it is heavy, um, and it's okay if that's hard. But my hope is that. If you have lived in this darkness before, and I think in some capacity we all have, that the stories that you hear today give you hope that by actually talking about the hard things and facing the darkness, we can find the light again. Now, before we go to Nicole, I want to tell you guys a bit about why I'm so passionate about World Suicide Prevention Day. Why are we like dedicating a whole episode to it? I could have just titled it a mental health episode, right? The reason that I am so passionate about about like directly addressing topics like World Suicide Prevention Day and mental health is because for the last 15 years of my own life, I have lived the medically diagnosed anxiety disorder, depression, and I've had episodes where I have had severe suicidal ideation and thoughts. Now, the reason that I am here today and that I live a pretty full whole good life is because my parents saw the symptoms in me from a very young age and after a couple of days at school where I basically just zoned out and I was numb to the world my mum said we are taking you to see the doctor and we went to the doctor and I was like 13 at this time I was diagnosed with depression and I was referred to a psychological nurse. Now my case was pretty severe so not everyone gets gets referred to a psychological nurse some people they just go to the doctor and they just the doctor can give them tips other people go to a counselor and they just talk it out others go to a psychologist everyone has a different path there is no one set course for taking care of our mental health and getting help but mine was very intense because I was so sick and it meant that from about the ages of like 13 to 18 when I was I was going to school It was really intense for me. I had to make goals every day to survive, uh, to overcome anxiety, to actually get to school. And I found uh, a lot of comfort in the practice of just goal setting and going for the goal. Because if you've experienced depression before or anxiety, you know that it's hard to get out of the moment, right? Like the moment is the hardest thing. So by setting goals, I gave myself something to live for. Well, in the years since, um, I have been really fortunate to have received continual psychological help. I started medication uh, under the supervision of a doctor and a psychiatric nurse. I have seen multiple therapists. Um, I'm really open about my story. I wrote a book about it. So I know for a lot of you guys listening, this is no surprise to you, but I also know that while I have had the privilege of healing and continually healing and living in recovery with my own journey with mental health. A lot of people haven't, and that's because their family or friends or community haven't seen the signs or they've diminished the signs or have just simply not understood it. And so I was one of the really, really fortunate ones where stigma didn't squash my survival. But I know lots of people, it does. And I know that, that even though I have been receiving help now for many, many years, I still struggle to go and see a counsellor. I still struggle to say, look, today is really crap. I really struggle with that. And 2020 as a year has been so tough on all our mental health. It has been ridiculously tough. And so today's episode is my invitation to you To say that whatever your story looks like, you don't have to have a diagnosis, you don't have to be in crisis, you don't have to be a Christian. Whatever your story looks like, please know that it is important, that it is valid amidst a world of other stories and in a year of tragedy, and that wherever you are at, you deserve help. You deserve to have your story heard by someone who values you, who hears you, and who can actually say to you, Hey, do you need extra support? I can connect you with that or point you in that direction. Mental health isn't just an like isn't just something we talk to about illness. Mental health is something that we all have. We take care of our bodies, so we take care of our brains. And so wherever you are at on the spectrum of I feel really great with my mental health or I feel really crap, for some of us, we tend to lean towards more that direction because we have different disorders or we've inherited genetic traits or we've experienced trauma. If we're heading down the direction where our mental health isn't great, we are allowed to ask for help. And asking for help doesn't mean you don't believe in Jesus. It doesn't mean that you're not strong. It doesn't mean that you don't have faith in healing. It doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong or that you're sinning. Mental health, like when we're struggling with our mental health, it literally just means that we are human and that we need support right now because that's, that's what community is for. And I believe that God uses that and has used that to save my life. You were deserving of that too. So I'm going to play our interview with Nicole Answer now. Nicole will tell us a bit about her story. She'll tell us about her documentary. Um, and I want you guys to keep an eye out for how she talks about how her family actually came together and healed together by talking about this. Overcoming family trauma or something that has bonded the family um, is something so unique and so difficult and You don't have to do it in front of a camera. If your family is willing or members of your family or community are willing, you can literally do this in a therapy setting where you talk. I've attended family therapy before and a little bit of what you will see in the mini documentary is sort of like a narrative form of family therapy where we see Nicole's family actually processing what trauma meant that day, 16 years after it happened see the healing, and I really hope that this story resonates with you and gives you hope. Um, after the interview, I will be back to talk a little bit more about some of the music that gets me through the really hard days, and I want to do some myth-busting about some of the myths that tend to surround mental illness and suicide in evangelical circles because I think, well, they've definitely affected me. My friends, here is Nicole Unser. Nicole, it's lovely to see you again. Um so tell me, today is the official release date of Bittersweet 16, the, the mini documentary. It's just so mm-hmm. exciting. Tell me about the documentary, because it's 16 years since your 16th birthday. Yeah.
1: Well, it's quite interesting. Actually, I was just telling a friend that this is sort of a, a strange experience because I have all of this time of preparing, you know, editing, filming and And all leading up to this exciting release, and yet the topic is very heavy and very you know that I'm like it feels really weird to be so excited about releasing you know (laughs) such a you know a video about such a hard thing. But um, isn't that life? Like we we hold opposites all the time, so it really just fits. But this is a song that I wrote a couple of years ago. It's a song called Bittersweet 16, and it is a song. Uh, about my 16th birthday, the last time that my mom attempted suicide, and uh, growing up, there were many suicide attempts, and this was the last time, and our story is uh, filled with so much what I like to call collateral beauty, because my mom did not die that day. She was hospitalized. She was put on uh, medicine uh, and has not, um, has been stable now, um since then. And what's so special, amazing, is last October, my birthday is October 6th, and last October it was a Sunday, uh, and my mom had called me to wish me happy birthday and I was in church. So when I got out, I had a voicemail from my mom saying, Happy 32nd birthday, baby mama loves you. You know, something like that. And that's when I realized I was listening to it and I realized, wow, it has been 16 years past my 16th birthday. And uh, I decided to include this song on my new album that I just released in March. And I had flown to Nashville in January to record the album just before the end of the world. So that was helpful. (laughs) And and I got home and I went, you know, uh, I'm going to have to uh, play this song for my family uh, before the rest of the world hears it. And so I sat my parents down when they, they picked me up from the airport. And we went back to their house and sat them down and played it for them. Uh, played the track that we had just recorded because I knew that I would never be able to get through it, you know, live. I, you never know how someone's going to receive, you know, such a thing. And they both just wept and told me how much it meant to them to have our story down, you know, in a song like that. And so I decided, hey, um, w- I started to th- go back and think about this memory again. As I went back and walked around in the memory, I realized that I couldn't see my brother anywhere in the memory. And I didn't know where he was, with us or not. You know, I just couldn't remember anything about him. And so I decided, hey, what if we could be really brave and we could sit down as a family and talk about that day from each of our perspectives? And so I asked them, and they said yes. And we recorded the footage in March, literally like the day before the world ended. Wow. So, and
0: before
1: all the quarantines hit and all of that. And so, um, yeah, I've been piecing together this beautiful story of how God um, literally makes beauty from ashes. And so, yes, it's super exciting to, to have it being released.
2: cake in the oven at a one end of the house. Then you walk to the bedroom where you passed out. Now the cake's on fire as we pull into the drive. Smoke pours out as daddy runs inside. And I stand in the street and my
3: hands
2: they shake. to be any birthday cake well you didn't die that day it feels like you're dead oh it feels like you're dead you're still alive they say but you don't want to
0: Um, One amazing thing about your song, Bittersweet 16, and the whole album, is that you are so honest and authentic. And I know that's something you really value, because we talked about that in our last conversation. Um, But putting it onto a screen and creating a documentary out of it is like, for me, it feels like a whole next level of transparency. Um, And your family being willing to step up and say, yes, we will... Not just talk about this together, but actually join you in re- creating something beautiful so, like, other families can find the hope that we've found is so remarkable. How has oh. your family gotten to that point? <laughs> Sorry, that's well, a good question. <laughs>
1: absolutely. I mean, it, and I wasn't sure when I asked them because I know that I have been. Um, doing what what I usually I say what I love about this album is that it's funny I'm wearing a Wyoming t-shirt today I just realized actually and the name of the album is Wyoming but it's this idea of going back in order to move forward and I know the last many five to ten years I have begun to go back to those hard places in order to move forward but you know as I shared this song I didn't know whether or not they had done that work because we have never talked about that day since that day. And so to my brother says that he has not thought about it since then. and yeah and that um, that really this is what happens commonly with trauma too is it's all kind of a blur to him and and he he just repeatedly said, yeah, I mean I, I've never really thought about it. And my dad said, you know, I I did wonder how my kids were going to deal with this. But he said, I really haven't thought about it in so many years. And uh, so actually, it was kind of like watching them walk out some of their healing on camera, which, yes, is very, very brave of them.
0: That's so Mm -hmm. special. I love that your family is so committed to each other, that, that each of you is willing to do that and join each other in that process. As I edited the
1: footage, it is rare, yeah, And, and as I edited the footage, it became so clear to me, one, the strength of my mom to be willing to get the help that she needed to get, but the strength of my dad to say, Uh, He put up real firm boundaries um, when her mental health issues started to manifest. And he said, you know, this far and no further, like, we love you, we're here for you, but um, I need to keep my children safe, our children safe, until you're willing to get help. And that really pushed her, um, you know, and gave her that extra nudge to get the help she needed for the sake of her whole family. And that took a lot of bravery from my dad.
0: What an amazing partnership. That's really Really incredible. So can you tell me, I, have seen bits and pieces of a documentary and, um, I love how you've got the whole family, you give everyone their own seat, but then everyone gets like their own place in front of the camera to share like their, their, their version of walking through that day as well. Wow. Um, and then you have, you're essentially giving like the overarching commentary with your reflection, which pairs it so well with your, with your album, Wyoming. Um, How did this process help your family to heal as a whole? Because you talked about the fact that, like, your dad and your brother were sort of like really walking through it with you in front of you. But how did this bring you guys closer together?
1: Well, one of the cool things is the fact that it helps us to see that day from each other's perspectives. And that is so important because, you know, we live through through this filter here and it can be – we forget, you know uh, that there, there are so many different, he was always compared to his big sister and, you know, I'm the screw up and, and him feeling like he was the screw up and my older sister's the perfect one. All the while I'm feeling, you know, like I'm the accident, the mistake, the burden. And so seeing that was just like, wow. Yeah. Even if you grew up in the same family, you can have such different experiences and such different baggage to heal from. And then my mom, uh, she even says in the documentary, she said, wow, um, having this experience down in a song, it shows me how this affected you guys, because she said um, she never realized uh, what it was like for us. And so that just creates, man, so much uh, a bonding together as a family and so much empathy and compassion and, and yeah, just very, very special. And so I would tell people, man, <laughs> these are the parts of our stories that we want to run from. We 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 put them under the rug for a reason. The problem is that rug keeps tripping you up, and you don't even realize it. And there are such miracles that can happen if you can just, uh, in the sh- you know, in the strength of God and His Holy Spirit, sit down and talk through some of these hard things that you probably haven't talked about since they happened, and you might just learn things. That will absolutely change your life.
2: As I sit here and wait, I feel my heart hesitate, takes everything not to get up.
0: Ask you about how you pair getting professional help, going like therapy, medication, wherever that's necessary, with spirituality, because I know for me, and I think first probably for you, they go hand in hand in many ways. Um, And God can use anything, but in lots of Christian circles, there's there's nearly been a division, and there's a sort of a struggle to overcome the stigma when it comes to getting professional help for mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. so how have, how has your spirituality and professional help actually paired in your life to help and cultivate your own healing?
1: That is everything right there because we are holistic beings. And unfortunately we think we can compartmentalize all these different things. But a couple of years ago, I actually had an instance where I woke up in the morning I went to wrap a blanket around me on a chilly morning. My neck went snap. My legs came out from under me. I hit the floor and I began having what they call torticollis, where every muscle um, in my neck and chest and head began charlie horsing all at the same time. Every time I swallowed, it felt like my neck was breaking. It was an unbelievable experience. What it led me to was an amazing physical therapist who started helping me learn how we store trauma how we regularly store stress and so there is no such thing as compartmentalizing because your body knows better you you might be able to deceive your mind but you will never deceive your central nervous system and so the idea is that we are spiritual beings we are physical beings we are emotional beings and we live in these you know this flesh and blood body that is fallen and basically we, it's no different. Um, if this organ here in my head is broken, or if some other organ is broken, if someone is diabetic, they need insulin. And so um, there are instances where we have a, a literal physical imbalance, in an actual organ, and you you would never tell tell a diabetic to snap out of it and just you know, to uh, cheer up. You you know, <laughs> uh, they need their medicine, and so. Uh, It's a double-edged sword, though, because one of the other songs that that I have in the documentary that I wrote uh, about my mom's journey is called Getting By, and it is this double-edged sword of medication. Brings the highs down a little lower. It brings the lows up a little higher, and sadly, a lot of people, they they end up taking the medication that that does help because they, they think, man, this makes me feel so numb. I would rather feel Up and down and all around, then feel nothing at all. And so I think medication is necessary for some people. I think it's necessary for seasons, but also finding, um, you know, a a counselor, a spiritual advisor, a mentor to be able to go back and talk through um, the things that are causing these because also we forget these are symptoms. Depression, anxiety, um, these are not the actual disease or, you know, these are symptoms of something that's deeper inside of me. And so to only take medication and never face, you know, what's going on inside of me is not helpful. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's everything. And then the physical as well. I am learning incredible things right now about the research being done between the gut brain balance and how, um, Uh, the foods that we're choosing to eat these days are causing things like leaky gut, which lets toxins out into your body. And they're actually able to break the blood brain barrier. And so they are linking a lot of our unhealthy lifestyle and sedentary lifestyles to mental illness. Mm -hmm. And so we really do have to be willing to look at all the different aspects because God will use doctors, right? And he will use counselors and he will use nutritionists to speak to us and to heal us. And and uh, sometimes, sometimes someone will pray for you and and you will be, you know, you will find relief. Sometimes it's a journey. I would say most times it's a journey of learning and growing and healing. And so that question you ask is about the most important one there is.
0: <laughs> yeah. You said that so well. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that was so good. Um, if someone is listening to this and they have a loved one who is going through a really difficult experience, um, whether they've attempted suicide and survived or they're just in a really dark place, you know firsthand what it is to live in a family unit where that is present. What would you say to them? Well, first
1: of all, I would say um, walking through trauma, someone else's trauma with them is its own trauma, and so first and foremost, it's that whole, you have to put your own oxygen mask on before you can help someone else. So you have to make sure that you're well, you know, that you're you're um, reaching out to the people and and to God in ways that um, that help you to be filled up, and after that, uh, man really, most people, they don't, they don't want to be fixed, right? (laughs) Most people want to be heard. And so the best thing that we can do for people in our lives is to truly meet them right where they're at, to listen, to be that shoulder. Um, but it can feel so helpless, right? Because when someone is hurting, um, we just, we do, we just want to fix it. We want to make it go away. And, um, I would say that that usually tends to push people away rather than do what we intend to do, which would be to pull them in and help them heal. And so here's the truth at the end of the day, whether it's substance abuse or mental illness or whatever it is, um, it's the whole, you can lead a, lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink until someone is ready and willing in their journey to get the help that they're, that they need, uh, There's not much we can do besides pray and be there for them. But as we pray, we can ask God, okay, Lord, you know this person better than they even know themselves and really asking Holy Spirit for the discernment and the wisdom to, to know how to be, um, how to be there for that person. So there's no formula. Don't you wish there was, uh, it's just being present with someone and saying, God, if there's a book I can recommend to them, show me. If there's a, a counselor, if there's someone else that you can introduce to this person that they can hear, um, it really has to be Holy Spirit-led. Uh, but truly praying and saying, maybe maybe you watch this documentary, you know, or engage in the, the, de- the companion devotional that I've created for this. Um, and and you say, God, w- would this be helpful for me to pass along to this person? Or maybe you invite them over to watch it with you. Just just say, this has impacted me so much. Would you watch this with me? You know that sort of thing. Um, but bottom line, always being Holy Spirit, you're the only one who knows what this person's heart truly needs. Uh, we desperately need you. Come into this situation and be that intercessor for that person that you love. Uh, recently. I've done something uh, revolutionary uh, in my relationship with my teenage daughters. We adopted them at 12 and 14 years old. We jumped right into the deep end of the pool. And uh, I found myself often in investigation mode, um, trying to figure things out, you know, uh, so that I won't be surprised and so that I can grab onto that illusion of control. What I've done in the last six months, and this is what COVID has been so good for, is to trade investigation for intercession. To stop trying to figure things out on my own, in my own wisdom and my own strength and might, and say, okay, God, only you, only you. I need your wisdom. I need your intercession, your power, your discernment, whatever it is, you know, I just need you. It has changed everything for me. And and then I go, duh, of course. <laughs> That's been the invitation all along. So,
3: being an intercessor, yeah, for those in our lives, super powerful. The more I tell you, you can do this, the more you tell yourself you're useless, any advice right now is fruitless, you're somewhere only you can go. I won't pretend to know, so instead of telling you you'll be alright, I'm just gonna be that
2: someone by your side, you yeah, let me be that distant satellite, a constant in the sky,
3: cause I'm standing with you tonight.
0: If someone watches your documentary um, and they identify with your mum, or even say they identify with you and how you've had to go through this trauma and Mm -hmm. work through it, what would you say to them? Oh,
1: I would say exactly what my dear sweet mom says in the documentary. She says, if you need help, get it. Stop pushing things to the back burner. This is why conversations like this are so great, because this Mental health issues have been stigmatized for so long. Nobody wants to look weird. Nobody wants to look weak, right? Uh, and, and so it's so hard to reach out. And there's this amazing thing that us humans do. We always think that we're the only one. <laughs> but it's amazing because in the documentary, as I'm sharing that I, over the years, I believed the lies that um, I'm an accident, a mistake, a burden, and that everyone wishes I would just go away. And then to hear my mom share that as, you know, all of this was happening, that the loudest voice in her head was everything would just be better if you just weren't here. Everyone wishes you would just go away, that the enemy was using the exact same tactic on both of us and winning. And so now it is so beautiful to throw that back in his face and say, you you thought that was going to work, really, didn't you? Well, my God is so much bigger than you give him credit for. And so really it's, okay, you can do this. You know, what once was doesn't have to be what always will be. And there's this phrase that I love and it's called liminal space. Have you ever heard this word? I don't
0: know. Please inform me. Uh,
1: It's about to rock your world. Liminal space is that space in between, in between what once was and what someday will be. It's the holy space where God lives, right? Because, He's not in the past and he's not in the future. God is only always in the present moment. And that's why it's so important to learn how to take a deep breath and to get into this present moment, not your regrets in the past, not your fears of the future, because right here, right now is all we have. And this is where God is. This is where his healing exists in that liminal space that we as humans try desperately to avoid because that liminal space is terrifying, right? It's the unknown. I know what that is. I I know what I want that to be, but this this in between. And so when people have lost all hope, um, when they're at the end of their rope, I'm here to tell them you are in the best place ever because you are in between what once was and you're headed towards what someday will be. And right where you are right now, that's right where God is. And so I just love in the Psalms when it says God is near to the brokenhearted and so I would tell that person chin up because right where you are is right where God is going to meet you because that's what true love does right it meets you right where you are but true love doesn't just leave you there right it brings you into the hope and healing and restoration that God has and that's what he's done for my family so I can say it with authority <laughs>
0: Oh, my heart needed to hear that today. Thank Ah. you. It's such a beautiful reminder. I needed that. Thank you. Mm. Um, It's filled me with joy as well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, I've said it before, but thank you for being brave enough to share your story and share it in so many new ways. Uh, I love how you've made it accessible to people, whether it's music or documentary interviews, your devotional, You you work really, really hard to make sure that wherever people are at, it's possible for them to touch it and be like, oh, yeah, my life can be changed now. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Um, Is there anything I have missed or anything you would like to talk about or say?
1: Well, man, I just, this whole um, concept of storytelling is so important because uh, it's not only about the story that we've lived, but uh, we have to ask ourselves, what story am I telling myself? or believing every day in my own head and my own heart. And so the most important thing we can do is to to stop, take a deep breath, and to continually engage in storytelling. Because also, man, look around. What story am I believing from the media, from social media, um, and all of that? And so this is so important because the story that I'm believing will shape my life. And so what I hope this whole project does is to help people go, okay, not only is that, that might be the story that I've lived, but it doesn't have to be how the story ends, right? This is not how the story ends, but secondly, on a daily basis, okay, what, what story am I believing? And what, and that narrative playing in my head, who is that asking me to love? Um, who is that asking me to make the enemy? And how can I invite God in to constantly redeem and restore? And I just love one of my favorite uh, Bob Goff quotes. I I have a good old Bob right here. uh, He says that this is my Nicole paraphrase version, uh, NPV. And he says, true love has um, x-ray vision. It sees past the way people's pain comes out into the core of their being and it, it does not tell them what to do, but it reminds them who they are. So my prayer is that people would engage with this documentary, with the song, with the devotional, with the full journal coming out on my birthday, October 6th, and that it would help them remember who they really are and would uh, help them to invite God to continue writing and rewriting uh, their story um, on earth as it already is in heaven right ah oh,
2: good stuff pressure building body shaking i can't take it i can't take it feel the tension pushing pulling i can't fight it i can't fight it i don't-
0: You can go and watch Bittersweet 16, the mini documentary, now on YouTube, which is also accessible by Nicole's website. Just go to NicoleUnser.com. You can also get her album Wyoming and the single Bittersweet 16 now at all good music outlets. In the meantime, please also connect with Nicole and let her know how much you appreciated hearing her story. She is online at NicoleUnser and NicoleUnser.com. That is U-N-S-E-R. Nicole's openness to share her story uh, is really remarkable, because we never have to feel obliged to share our story with another person or on a public platform. I think we're living in a day and age where where we are starting to talk about mental health more, and it's—I don't like the word "cooler," but it's becoming cooler to talk about your mental health journey, right? Um, I know for me, it was a game changer when the nonprofit to write "Love in Her Arms." came into the MySpace world in 2006. I interned with them in 2013. And talking about my mental health and seeing other people talk and write about that has really progressed in that time. It's becoming more and more acceptable to say I'm struggling. And that's awesome. But we don't have to do it publicly for it to count. So if you were in a position where you were like, this is my story and I'm healing and I feel like God is calling me to share it with people, then you go ahead and do that in like with the support of your friends and family and support networks. But you don't have to share it for it to be valid. God can still use us. He can still use our tragedy in everything we do. He can use something, make something good from it, I mean. He doesn't want it to happen to us. I still don't have answers about why I have this, why why I have anxiety, why I have depression, but I know that God is using it in my life good Um, and I know that I'm in a position at the moment where I'm able to share about it because I have been on my recovery journey for so long and have got so much support around me. So just a heads up in case there's any anxiety for you about having to share your story publicly like Nicole just did. Before I go any further, I know we're going to do some myth busting and looking at playlists, um, but it's really important that I, I just want to tell you guys as my friends, it's okay to ask for help. And if listening to the last conversation was hard for you, if it brought up uncomfortable thoughts, if you were just feeling really anxious and you don't know where to turn, um, please, please call or text like a crisis lifeline in your country. It's not a sign of weakness or desperation and it's not saying I am quote unquote sick, whatever that means. It just means that in this moment you need some support and honestly in 2020 <laughs> we all need support. We all need it. It is so hard right now. So if you are in the USA or you are in Canada, you can text TWLOHA, that is T-W-L-O-H-A to seven four one seven four one. In the UK, you can text HOME to 50808. And in Australia, you can call our lifeline on 13 11 14. Now, Beyond that, there are so many resources. There are credible phone lines, text lines, websites um, that are spread across the world. And I, I know this because I, I worked with a nonprofit in my hometown for a little while. And through that, my sister actually put together an international database. So there is resources around the world for you. Today, our friends at To Write Love on Her Arms actually host a whole bunch of those resources and more. So if you are looking for a location-specific phone line or text number, if you're looking for a counselling centre near you, or if you're looking for like a particular website or lifeline around transgender, being part of the LGBTQ community, working through abuse or sexual abuse, um, To Write Love on Her Arms list them on their website and they are terrific they have vetted all their resources and are a great bridge to further help or even just blogs to go i'm not alone you can find all these resources by going to toloha.com forward slash find help that is t-w-l-o-h-a.com forward slash find help even just go to the website hit the find help button it's right up in the top right hand corner Please, I invite you to do that, whether it's now, whether it's later, whether it's a friend who is texting you at 2 a.m. saying, I can't do this anymore, you can send them that link. We can't save people, but we can, we can give them the resources they need to take the next step. And, and that's honestly like what Nicole was saying, that is the most beautiful gift we can give someone, just being with them. We can't save people. It's, we can't heal people, Right. But we can love people and be with them through the whole process. And if you're in a capacity to do that, then give people that love. If you're not in a place to do that right now because you're struggling, then please receive that love and that help from others because you're deserving of that.
3: No power on earth, no power in hell It's gonna steal my peace Ten thousand enemies, they will End up on their knees When I'm hopeless, I can know this you with me Your light will terrify the dark I call upon the day That is night.
0: going to get on some music stuff but let's can we do a bit of addressing of myths in the church around mental health while we're on the topic of our experience of mental health and mental illness in the church I thought it would be not fun I mean it's not a fun topic but really important for us to actually tackle what are the myths that keep us from talking about this um, when we're either experiencing some sort of crisis or we're experiencing anxiety um, or like when when we lose pastors well-known pastors to suicide what is it that prevents people from asking for help what is it that prevents us from seeing that other people need help so purely based on my own experience um, and my work in the media uh, and non-profit sector I put together some thoughts about the myths that tend to permeate church and evangelical culture about mental illness and suicide these are things that I have directly experienced or heard about or seen Um, and you may resonate with some of them so a very common myth about i would say like depression anxiety suicidal thoughts any mental illness that can't be explained or seen right one of the myths that we see in the church frequently is that you can simply pray mental illness away now i know that can be controversial right i believe in the power of prayer. I believe in a God who answers our prayers and who actually wants to heal us. So I don't think God wants me to have anxiety or depression. But I also know that simply saying, I'll pray for you, you're better now, does not help. There are cases where God does supernaturally heal people in an instant. I'm honestly envious of them. But there are many cases where prayer needs to be partnered with with further help and professional resources because your experience and your story on your life is worth more than a simple, even if it's powerful prayer, you are deserving of a lifetime of support and recovery and of experiencing God through other people. So if you want prayer for mental illness and you feel comfortable going up to the front at church, then go for it. But you can also talk to someone that you trust or you can just come to God in your brokenness and say help literally that has been my prayer for 2020 God save me help me today is tough pray that he hears it but please know that you are not lacking if you're not automatically healed and you don't have a spiritual problem so another myth that's that we see about depression or mental health in the church. And this is a this is a touchy one, but sometimes people attribute all mental illness to demons. Now, I'm not in a position to say what is demonic and what isn't. That is something that, you know, pastors and people with authority need to discern. But I do know that I have had people very kindly tell me before that, there is essentially something demonic in me because I have depression. And that is simply not the case. So please don't think that you need an exorcism uh, or that there is something innately wrong with you if you do have mental health stuff going on it's great to go and ask for prayer from a safe, like when I say a safe person, someone who knows a bit more about mental illness, someone who knows about the spiritual realm, but is discerning. Um, But a lot of the time people in their attempt to help us will, will lean one way or the other. Um, And it can actually be really traumatizing and really discredit our experience and the illness and the physical illness that we're going through. Uh, So, Just because you have a mental illness or experiencing something like this doesn't mean you're demon-possessed. Another common myth that we hear about depression and mental health in the church is that depression, anxiety, or suicidal thoughts uh, are a symptom of a lack of faith in Christ or they actually are evidence of sin in your life. That's not true. So yeah, like mental illness and stuff... If you want to go back theologically, all a result of the fall. But that is not a consequence of you being a bad person. It's just a fact of life. And just because God doesn't heal you on the spot doesn't mean you lack faith. We don't always understand the way God works. I've asked for healing before and haven't received it in the way I expected. I'm still waiting on healing for some things. There's not something intrinsically wrong with you if you are experiencing mental illness. Alright, another common, what I would term myth that we see in the church, this is more reflective of the fact that traditionally the church, maybe I would say certain denominations of the church, are not as connected to social services. Now that's that's a generalisation, I'm not saying that across the board, but traditionally we have always looked inward for help, right? We've always gone, go to the pastor, do this, like look inward, look to scripture. Well, a consequence, I believe, of that is that when we do start to think about looking for professional help, we think that we should only look for professionals who are Christians. Now, I'm not knocking if you choose to go and see a Christian counsellor, a Christian psychiatrist, a Christian psychologist, a Christian doctor. You can see a Christian podiatrist if you want to. Like Go for your life, but but it's important that you know that you have a choice it's not like an either or it's about you finding the best most suited professional to support you through whatever you are going to And if you need a Christian counsellor, so someone who says on their bio, I have all these accreditations, plus experience in the church and experience like as a minister in theology, if you need that, because that's a huge part of your worldview and you want to process through that, then please, by all means, go and see that counsellor and see if you guys click. But it is possible to see a counsellor who doesn't share the same worldview as you or doesn't share the same religious values as you and still have them support you. So I remember when I first first went to like my really really intensive counseling as a teenager, I remember going and seeing this man and having no idea what his religious background was. I just knew that I desperately needed help. But I spoke about Jesus in everything. Like it was over the top, but it was the only way I knew how to process. So at the time, I, I believe lots of lies around like that I shouldn't feel anger and that I shouldn't do this because Jesus wants me to do this. Lots of religious constructs and trauma that I was trying to work through, right? And I remember that this psychiatric nurse, now I've got no idea what his background was. I just know he was very accredited in what he was doing. I remember he actually came to me and said, Jessica, I opened up the Bible the other day and found this. Didn't Jesus get angry here? Can you explain this to me? And that was really cool. One, because like this man cared so much for me as a professional that he was willing to dive into my worldview, my religious worldview, and actually help me to shift it in a really healthy way. He didn't try to change me. Like he didn't try to say, don't be a Christian. He didn't say, God's not with you. He just said, but what if we looked at this slightly differently? And a good therapist A good professional in any field should be able to do that. Now, one factor about asking for help and then receiving it, whether it's like a counselor, a doctor, anything like that, is that it can be challenging to find the right fit. And it is really discouraging if you start like putting yourself out there and asking for help and seeing a professional and you're like, this isn't working. Like don't expect to be like fixed, like like snap, but something doesn't feel right. Like you guys just aren't connecting or you don't trust them and if that's the case and it's and it's more than just you sort of trying to be resistant to them because you're really you're really like struggling to work through stuff you are allowed to try other professionals i will be the first to put my hand up and say i have seen so many different counselors in my life for different times for different things i remember seeing one in high school when i needed mentoring i saw one when i was a kid and and she helped me with like sand play tray like my sister now is a child therapist and and she uses that yet that's a completely different strategy to the therapist I now see where we talk about things we use narrative therapy to talk everything out Yet another time I saw the psychiatric nurse, right, and he used something called CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy on me, which is a technique where he actually got like my core beliefs and some of the stuff in my brain and helped me to rewire my brain so that I wasn't so afraid of everything. There are so many different techniques and strategies and so many different things that different therapists and professionals in all fields offer. And so it's important that, you know, you're allowed to find the one that you best connect with. Um, so that means, like, if you you may have connections or so if you have friends who work in the sector or have gone to therapy before, ask them for, like, their recommendations. Your pastor may have a recommendation. A nonprofit or mental health may have a recommendation for you. Google it. If you Google like counsellors, mental health in your city, a list will come up and you should be able to actually scroll through, read through their credentials, send them an email, ask them questions. Some will like say, call me. You can give a phone call, see if you connect, tell them what you're going through and see what they have to offer you. And that's a really great place to start. Remember that you are in control of who you choose to invite into your support network. They can be a Christian. They don't have to be a Christian. God can move through anybody, but you have that control and that choice. Okay, the last myth that I want to address um, is that, this is a really hard one to talk about. The last myth I want to address is that suicide is a crime. Now, addressing this happens on multiple levels because when we use the term commit suicide, that comes from history where traditionally, where traditionally, a person was basically excommunicated if they suicided right so they weren't buried in the church domain they were they were excluded like they weren't mourned for properly they it was like they they'd sinned they were unreachable from god and that that tainted theology somewhat still exists in our society today even if we don't directly think exactly like that. We used to have words like committed suicide. And one of the biggest things I grappled with when I was heavily suicidal was what does this mean for my relationship with God? Because for me, I actually never doubted the existence of God while I was struggling with suicidal thoughts. I didn't doubt the existence of heaven for, or for me or what I believed hell was. I didn't doubt any of that. And I had no doubt in my mind that if I died, I would be in heaven with Christ. I knew I would be in a better place. But I also knew that I had a purpose here on earth and that's what kept me, right? But I know that there will be lots of people who will be like, suicide is the end all and be all for you. And suicide is not the answer. But when you are so, so sick and you are so in pain and there is no light suicide is like the last symptom it's like the last the last action that ends a life and it is miracles that, that pulls people back from that moment it's been miracles that has pulled me back from that moment and that's why when we have conversations about mental health and mental illness and we say ask for help tell people how you're feeling ask them if they're okay it's because like you're trying to catch it earlier on because as things as 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 sickness increases the darkness increases and it's really hard to be pulled back from that point. But you can. There is light at that point. I promise you. God has met me in that point. And because God has met me in that point, I can tell you for sure that there is hope beyond this life. So please stay. Please stay. Years ago, I wrote the word stay and find what you are made for because I believe you have a purpose here. But please do not live in this condemnation that you are evil for considering suicide, that you do not belong in the church for considering suicide or thinking about it. Please do not think that you are too far removed from God, who I believe is a God of love His table is big enough for you. His arms are wide enough for you. And it doesn't matter what you are thinking or feeling, whether you want to be here or not. God sees you and he has a place for you in his arms right now. And I'm begging you to please stay because you can experience that on this earth. I promise you. I absolutely promise you. God has saved me from the edge multiple times and he can and will save you too. So please cry out to him. You are not too far gone. You are not a criminal. You do not have to live in a state of thinking I'm a sinner. You are chosen, beloved, worthy enough. You are human. I believe you are made in the image of the almighty God of the universe. The stuff that he made the stars out of is actually what we are made out of. And we, we are valued even more highly than the stars. Because we are, we were like the last thing God made, And he has given us and he has given you thoughts and dreams and hopes. And you may not know them at the moment. I promise. It's okay. You don't have to know them. It might be too hard to even think of the future right now. I get that. But please know that deep inside of you, there's a stuff of stardust. There's a stuff of God's fingerprints when he made you. And that means that there is a purpose for you beyond this very moment. And I don't know what next tomorrow is going to look like, or the day afterwards, or the day afterwards. 2020 has shown us that we, are, that we have no control over the future. But I promise you that God is there with us. And I promise you from my own experience that it can and it will get better, and that you deserve help. So if you are the person at the moment struggling, if you are thinking of the darkness, if you are fighting it, if you don't even feel like you can fight it anymore, please Stay in this moment and please ask for help and that and asking for help can look like multiple things for me it's literally crying out god save me that's my first port of call because I don't I've got nothing else to give I can't pray anymore I don't have any energy to pray to be with god to worship so just ask just ask I promise you he will hear you he will save you because he saved me when you feel ready, please ask for help. No, you know what? People people often say, like, just quoting a suicide prevention number is not enough. And you know what? A lifetime of recovery follows that. But calling a number and asking for help is the start or texting that crisis number is a start. In Australia, it's 13 11 14. In America and Canada, it's texting HOME to 741741. You can find all those numbers. It's it's a first step. And sometimes we just need that person on the other end of the line, even if we don't know them, to tell us that we are not alone in the moment. Because that's what mental illness does. That's what what suicidal thoughts and depression does. It lies and tells us that we are alone. That we are like this little tiny spot in the middle of the universe. And that everyone would be better off without us. But that is not true. That is lies. And it's okay if you don't believe it. But they are lies because you are meant to be here. Because you are meant to be here. So if you are in that spot right now where you are in the darkness, please stay. Please ask for help. Please ask someone who you trust to help you get the support that you need. Because they can step in and help you to book an appointment or help you find someone who you can talk to about this stuff. You don't have to do it alone and you shouldn't have to. They're the myths that I wanted to address with you guys. I think it's really important uh, that we acknowledge that mental health affects everybody and mental illness, different mental illness stuff affects everybody. It's non-discriminatory, but we do know that, that there are some people groups we see it affect more than others and that is due to systemic injustices and all sorts of issues like that. So it's worth noting that young people really struggle with this stuff. There was a study done recently in the US where one in four people aged 18 to 25 have thought about suicide this year. I was looking further into that document 11% of the general population they tested had thought about suicide. That was all age groups. Suicide is a leading cause of death for young people, but it doesn't mean that it is just reserved for quote-unquote young people. We see it highly in veterans. We see mental health issues in many countries' First Nations people as a result of many things, including like microaggressions and generational trauma and and, and continual, the continual results of colonization. We see it disproportionately in lesbian, gay, and bisexual people and transgender peoples, and we see that people of color are less likely to receive the same health care as white people. Now, the thing is that that suicide shouldn't exist. Mental illness shouldn't exist, but it does. And so if we have the capacity to change things, then... We can do that. We can be part of that. And so this first part is being aware. Be aware of those differences and those discrepancies and then be open to those people in your life. Be open to what they are going through. Be aware that there are complexities and layers to mental illness and trauma that you may not know about. And that's okay. That's where professional help comes in. And if you uh, have a privileged place of being able to connect people with resources, then go and do that. Go and do that and help them and advocate for them if they want it. Thank you guys for helping me to do some myth busting. As you can tell, it's something I'm really passionate about. And, and I'm passionate about it not because I think the church is doing it all wrong, but I'm passionate about it because I believe that the church can do it right. I believe that the church has people in it who want to do this right, who want to love people, who want to save lives. And I see them trying and we just don't always get there. And so we start changing the culture by learning, by talking, by educating ourselves. And we all do that in different ways. But this is one way. We start talking about it. And by simply engaging with this conversation, you are a culture shifter in the wider church, whatever that looks like for you. You are changing the conversation by being informed, by loving others through this. And that is amazing. Thank you. Almighty
3: fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in this sky.
0: Before we finish up, I want to look at some of the music that gets me through the hard days. And to do that, I actually thought it would be really cool to create a playlist, particularly for when we're going through tough times. I have called it Hope Lives and it is available now through the Between You and Me podcast Spotify. Um, I will have the link in the show notes and it will be on our social media. But if you want to go and check it out, this is a playlist that if you just need some hope, some encouragement, you want to hear some really cool new music that is filled with good stuff, then this is a place to go for it. So, so I've put this together using some of my favourite tracks and also some of the latest tracks that have come out about mental illness because so many artists are singing about it now it starts with the fear not spoken words from fearless bnd just because jeremy Johnson's spoken word is so powerful so powerful it sets a scene and then we jump straight to the latest single by demi lovato and martin okay to not be okay they've actually recorded that in support of the nonprofit foundation okay to not be okay and it's awesome it's there's actually one line in there where it's like when you're too tired to pray And I just resonated with that so much because when I am struggling, praying is tough. And I just appreciated Demi saying that. In that playlist, you will find a new track from Need to Breathe, um, as well as a favorite from Switchfoot, where they collaborate with Lauren Daigle for I Won't Let You Go. That is just a stunning song that I have played over and over in my life the last few years. You will find some Aussie tracks in there, which I'm really proud to have. Uh, Guy Sebastian Standing With You, which he wrote directly about mental health. And the music video is actually all about confronting uh, mental illness, particularly in males or male-identifying people. It's really powerful. Then there is also Keep Climbing by one of my favorite singers, Delta Goodrum. And it's, it's a real simple but beautiful song that she wrote that is literally about taking the next step. And sometimes that's all we can do. We just take the next step. So I love that. You will find a track on there by our friend Nicole Anster, who you heard from today. Her whole album Wyoming is powerful, um, but I chose a track "Fear You Don't Own Me" because it recognises the darkness, but also has a great courage, and we can use that. You will find a track in there from our friend Ross King Golden, a friend, uh, a track from a metal track from our friends in prison, still alive. Um, and then we even have some worship songs in there because there are some really good ones coming out lately actually about anxiety and stuff. So Peace by Hillsong Young and Free, that their whole album where it comes from is amazing. Um, and Mosaic MSC recently released Fountain I Am Good. Um, and that's just a really cool song because it's it's worshipping God, right? But it's also declaring the truth of who God made us over it. So it's like, I am good. You say I'm good. I am chosen, worthy, loved by you. I'm like, what? There's a worship song about that? Um, and sometimes we need that reminder. We need to say it over our lives. And if we can't say it over our lives, perhaps we can say it over our friends' lives. And that will actually change us as well. You'll also find tracks on there from DJ Madge, Feel Again, the track that he wrote with Becca Shay, the track that he recorded with Becca Shay, all about mental illness when we talked about that some episodes ago. And there's actually a track there from Levi the Poet, who recently in support of To Write Love on Her Arms released a track Worth Living For, which is the name of their campaign this year. So you guys can find all of that music and more, I'll keep adding to it now, on Spotify. Just look up Between You and Me podcast, Hope Lives playlist or literally click on the links in the show notes or our social media. Save it to your favorites. I'll keep adding to it. And if if you need some hope, just some good, whether it's background music or something, just to remind you to keep going, this is for you. I hope, I hope it gives you some strength on the hard days and the mediocre days and the days that you will get to where you go, I'm so glad I'm alive. That's it for a very big episode, but one that I am so grateful for. It is, it is such a privilege. It's like what I was made for to engage in these conversations with you and your choice to listen and, and engage. It, it means the world. Um, so if you would like to reach out and connect, you can find me at Jessica K. Morris on Instagram and you can find out the podcast at Between You Me Pod on all social platforms. You'll find us at betweenyouandmepodcast.com. Go subscribe, go rate, go like, go share this episode with people. Share the interview with Nicole. Share the myth-busting. Share the suicide prevention resources. Share it and tell people that there is hope for them beyond this moment. My name is Jessica Morris, and I am so glad that I'm alive and that I share this earth with you. I will see you soon. Here's to hope.
3: You don't really matter. That's what we've been told. It's never getting better, but you know it not so? You and I are dreamers breaking through these walls making them believers if we show them all how we can be the change in the world we want to see we're moving strong and we'll never be divided we are a face made up of